Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. Today, we have Greg Nijian of GNA Training. Greg is an international sales and case acceptance a trainer here to talk with us on the show today. Greg, thanks for coming on. Hey, my pleasure, Ross. It's been a pleasure knowing you, and I really appreciate the opportunity to meet some dentists and other practitioners that I might have something for. Yeah, so let's talk about that dirty little word called sales, or yeah. in the dental world, as they call it, case acceptance. Okay. Um, and so explain to our listeners how sales is a part of everyday life. Yeah, you know, and uh it's it sure is, but unfortunately, it's got a bad reputation. Because I think society's view of salespeople is that they're liars, prevaricators, they're used slimy. car salesmen. Use car salesmen. In fact, it was funny, I did a workshop training program last week and one of the fellas in the room piped up and he said, you know what? He goes, the interesting thing about being in sales is it's exempt. I said, well, what do you mean exempt? He goes, well, he says, and he was joking, right? He goes, I'm Roman Catholic. And when I confess my sins on Saturday, if I lie to a salesperson, I don't, I actually don't have to confess that. And as a salesperson, if I lie to a prospect, I don't have to confess that either. They're both exempt, right? That That's hilarious. So, right. But I think, uh, Sales has a bad reputation because of salespeople out there that are mistreating their clients and their prospective clients. And a good salesperson is somebody that's ethical, honest, moral, and wants to build long-term relationships with everybody that they meet. Because, I mean, even if you're not the most ethical guy in the world, you're going to make a lot more money if you build a long-term relationship with somebody than if you don't. So I think that's, you know, what we're working off of. We're trying to, in a way, change society's perception of salespeople. And the interesting thing that happens as myself and my team of trainers gets to work with people is, in many cases, their whole view of salespeople changes because it's just such a, a nice way to deal with people, the way we train people. It's very humanistic, uh, it's useful. Uh, I mean, we're not going to, we're training people to not sell anybody anything unless they really, really need it. And before we get into what they need, we're going to talk about the budget they want to work with and things of that nature. So define, how would you define sales? Sales is a win-win proposition where both parties have something to gain. And see, that's, that? That, that's unique because most people think it's a win-lose, but Good sale it can be is good it can sale be. is a win-win. So well, it can be, and I'd say that's yeah. where your connotation comes, right? If you have a win-win, you can build a long-term relationship. If you jack somebody and you have a win-lose, they're going to figure it out, and your reputation with them will be ruined, and the relationship will be short-lived. Yeah. So, Makes sense. 
when we're talking with Dennis here, and Dennis obviously they they got into the the business of being a dentist because they they wanted to help people. You know, they're they're medical right. professionals. They want to help people, but people yeah. have challenges. You know that they need help with, and that's why they go to the dentist. But yeah. I got into always- sales training because I like helping people, but I also like working in front of groups. Right. And I always admired uh, before I got into sales training 37 years ago, um, I always admired people that had that that golden tongue, so to speak, that could seemingly seemingly talk anybody into anything. And I said, gee whiz, I wish I could do that. And and I'm not really the sales type. I've never really been like that. Uh, But then I learned a methodology and various psychological models that helped me become extremely effective in a selling role. And I'm proud of the fact that I have many long-term relationships with clients dating back all the way back to 1987 when I started the business. So, so I, I'm just, I got into this for the same reasons that many dentists got into their profession because I like helping people. So let's talk about, you know, I'm a dentist. I'm, I'm working with a patient. They've got some unique challenges. They need a fair amount of work. It's going to cost probably more than they they really want to pay, but it's it's imperative be- that they take care of it because if you don't take care of it, it's only going to be worse and cost more later. Um, which is like, just like if you don't repair your car, it's going to be worse and more expensive later. If yeah. you don't repair your house, it'll be worse and more expensive later. So let's right. kind of talk through the thought process of walking someone, whether it's the dentist or whether it's a staff member, walking through. Yeah. Uh, some case acceptance ideas, some techniques, some things to think about to help the patient sure. achieve their ultimate optimal health. So it it all starts with two things: bonding and rapport and effective communication. And one of the uh, communication models that we train on, which is very very important in terms of bonding report, is called DISC. Now, some of you guys and gals that are listening probably have heard of DISC because a lot of practice management companies like would like to assess your entire sales team on team, uh, sales team on DISC and come back with recommendations. DISC is a communication language that was developed in 1928 by William Moulton Marston, who graduated Harvard University. Actually, he graduated in 1928 with a degree in clinical psychology. And then this guy went out to write the original Wonder Woman series of comic books. And then he developed the discommunication model. And it's broadly used today. It's been translated to over 30 different languages. It has very high statistical validity. And studies have shown that it improves, I hate to say the word, sales effectiveness 25% when you and your staff learn how to use it. And so I would love to train, I love to train people. We love to train people on the discommunication model. So what it trains you to do is to identify the communication style of your client or your patient, and then how to flex and modify yours to match theirs for best results. That's it in a nutshell. And things need to start there for most, uh, for your, to be most effective with clients and patients. So to use a simplistic analogy, if I if I'm an apple and you're an orange, we're speaking two different languages. Right. But if if I turn myself into an orange and talk to you like an orange, we will connect better, easier, 
and you will hear what I'm saying and I will hear what you're saying better. Is that right? You got it. Very good. And, so, and it's, so for example, a type A person, which is a D in disc, doesn't typically, if they are naturally a type A super driver and they don't change, they'll walk all over an S or a C in the disc yeah. model and nothing will get done. All right. So what that, let me translate that a little bit for everybody. Uh, because Ross, you've had some, you've had a lot of training with me over the years. So you're, you're, you're in an advanced course right now, but essentially, for example, there are, there are people that are highly technical, very detail oriented and analytical. Which and, is a lot of dentists. Okay. A lot of dentists, a lot of you guys and gals out there are that we, we call them owls. If you think about an owl, they're analytical. They, they like to do their due diligence. They want to take their time and make sure that their decisions are correct. And then you have another communication and behavioral style, which is eagle, big picture, bottom line, predatory in a negotiation. They want to win, lose. They don't sweat the details. They don't like to have a lot of information. They just want to know what's in it for them. What's the bottom line? So if you have a client that's a big picture eagle and you're more like an owl speaking in terms of details and, and giving them a whole lot of information, there's a big disconnect there, which hurts the bonding and rapport. However, if you're able to recognize that your client is an eagle and you can flex and modify your communication style to that big picture bottom line style, that's huge. That makes a very big difference in the communication and in the bonding and rapport. It helps that eagle from being frustrated with how long you're taking getting to the ultimate recommendation. Making sense, Ross? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're training them to do in the discommunication model. But that's only one of three different psychological and communication models that staff and dentists uh, can learn. And it doesn't take that long to learn it. And it makes a huge difference in your, your sales and case acceptance. And, and, and this will also uh, help you interact with your team members as well. Yes. Yeah. A lot of what we do when it comes to training on the discommunication model is to improve communication, cooperation, and understanding between team members. In fact, uh, I've got a, I, I'll share a story with you. This is kind of a personal story. But uh, some years ago, it was quite a long time ago. Ross, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I, I was dating a uh, dental assistant. And a practice management company came into the dental office that she worked in, in New Hampshire. And there were 12 employees in the office and they assessed the entire team with disc. And they came back to the dentist who owned the office and told him that he should let her go. And so at their recommendation, he let her go. And three weeks later, he liked her as a dental assistant but he had his reasons for letting her go. And three weeks later, he was supposed to send her a letter of recommendation. He never got the letter. She never got the letter. So she asked me if I would call him. And I did. And he called me back. And he was very nice. He said, look, I, I really uh, thought Lisa was great. She was the best dental assistant I had ever had. But she was high D dominant communication style. And she was trying to run the office and it wasn't her responsibility. It was my wife's responsibility. And he said, I know I have a group of people that put out so much effort. It's not extreme like Lisa's, but she was trying to run the office and it was wrecking everything as much as I loved her as a dental assistant. 
So I had to let her go. Right? So there's an example of how a person's inability to flex and modify their communication and behavioral style can cause a big problem to the point where it was just disrupting the office and he had to let her go. Perhaps if she had some training on disc, of course, being her boyfriend, I couldn't train her on anything. You know how that goes. Anyway. How, um, so you talk about those three different psychological models. Yes. We, so we talk, obviously, communication style with disc. What are yeah. some other things that would help a practice uh, optimize uh, everything they're doing and increase their case acceptance? Well, I just think that uh, developing certain questions and, and asking those questions of patients when, when you're doing an intake to more or less uh, see what their needs might be, see what their goals are. So, for example, uh, I hate to say this, but recently I went to my dentist and, you know, on the way out of the office, I, I said, hey, by the way, I'm interested in this, you know, Invisalign. And, uh, and they said, oh, really? I said, yeah. Um, he said, well, the next time you come in, let's talk about it. So essentially, I had to bring it up. I, th I thought to myself, why aren't they bringing it up? Well, how come when I come in, somebody isn't asking me about those kinds of things? Or if I be interested in whitening, nobody's approaching me about other services that I might be interested in. So how about some processes on the front end to expand on things that uh, patients might need? That's one thing that we can work on. What do you think about that, Ross? Well, that's pretty good. Now, let, let's suppose that, you know, you're my dentist and I'm the patient and I need a lot of work to be done, but mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I don't want to pay for it. You know I mean? And I don't I have to deal with my problem. You know, it's a, a, I, know, I think I know where you're going. Yeah. So how so would you let me, that? How, how would a, how could a dentist learn to handle that if their yeah. case acceptance is not where they'd like it to be? Okay. So let me, let me share a quick story. So years ago, there was an article about me in one of the local newspapers out here in the Massachusetts area, and uh, it talked about how I had helped a uh, business person. So they wrote it up, and uh, as a result of that article, I got a call from a chiropractor. He said, I'm very interested in your service. So we sat down and we talked, and he shared with me, chiropractors have something called patient visit average, PVA. And he said that the average number of times that a patient visited, visited him was six times. His PVA was six. And I went on to say, okay, you're telling me that for a reason. He goes, yeah, because it really should be up around 18 or 19. And I said, well, why is that? He goes, well, in six treatments, I can frequently get rid of the physical pain, but it doesn't cure the condition. And if they don't get the additional treatments, you know, averaging 18 or 19, They'll develop a condition where three years later, they're going to come back and they're going to need more therapy. But the problem is the condition has gotten so much worse that the only thing that can really treat it is surgery. And he said, what I'm interested in is how to increase my PVA from six to 18 or 19 and actually heal the condition in the individual's back. So we, what we have here is physical pain is the motivation for them visiting the chiropractor. But it's emotional pain that's going to keep them coming to that 18 or 19 visits to get the actual condition healed. So I trained him on that and it worked out so well. I got a call from another chiropractor who had seven offices. I found myself running programs for chiropractors, groups of them, large groups of them. And it was all about uncovering 
the emotional drivers. It wasn't getting rid of, it wasn't the physical pain that was keeping them coming back for more. It was at an emotional level. So the thing that drives, uh, as you put it, case acceptance is emotional pain, emotional feel, uh, fear, and pleasure in the future. So training on skill sets to have meaningful conversations about emotional pain and emotional feel is huge. Fear, I should say, keep saying feel. Um, But it is a feeling that you have inside you. And most people never go that far. Even when I'm training salespeople, they'll uncover the need or they'll uncover the problem. And then they'll start presenting how they would propose to solve it. What we like to do, and I wrote a whole book on it right behind me, Why People Buy, is train them on strategically organized sets of questions that don't sound like you learned it in a workshop to uncover the pain, to uncover the fear, pleasure, and things of that nature. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And so really what it comes down to is you're asking lots of questions, not in an interrogative manner. No, 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 no. Conversational. Conversational. But you're digging for pain, Mm -hmm. physical and emotional pain, to get to the root cause on why they would want or need to fix the said problem. Because maybe they want to fix it, but they've kind of put a blockade, an emotional blockade up over the emotional pain that's preventing them from taking the action or recognizing the pain to deal with the action, to, to take the action to fix it. Is that is that fair? Yeah. So say, for example, patient comes into an office and notices that their their teeth are a little crooked on the bottom. Is there anything we can do about that? Can you, you know sand some of the material out between the teeth so that they fit a little better. And the dentist says, yeah, we, we can do that. Uh, other than that, is, is anything else bothering you that has to do with the look of it or your smile? And let's say the patient says, well, yeah, uh, I really wish that my teeth were straighter. And the, the doctor says, well, could you tell me a little bit more about that? And they say, well, it's kind of bothered me for a long time. Well, stop and, right there. Stop, stop right there. Yeah. So you said, he goes, I'd like for my teeth to be straighter. Most people would say, okay, we could do A, we could do B, we could do C. Yes, what they're you're pitching. Doing is you're, you're just digging deeper and deeper. And many of us are just lazy or we're just not trained to ask those questions. Right. So if I go on in the questioning and you know, does it, does it bother you that they're a little crooked? And the patient says, well, yeah. And then the, then the doctor says, well, for a reason, well, yeah, I do a lot of public speaking. I do a lot of one-on-one meetings and things of that nature. And I don't like the fact that they're crooked. And then, then the doctor says, well, how long has it been bugging you? And the patient says, well, you know, for several years now, because I've been noticing it's getting worse. And then the doctor says, well, have you done anything about it? And the, and the patient says, well, I looked into a couple of things, but I didn't like any of them. I didn't want to get, you know, stainless steel braces on my teeth or whatever they're made out of. Uh, but I, I, you know, I'm still interested in seeing if there's a way we can get them straightened out. And the doctor ultimately says, well, well how does it make you feel that they are a little crooked? And he says, well, it's embarrassing and I really don't like it. So now what we did is we asked a half a dozen questions and we went from, uh, we went to a level where there's, emotional pain. Emotional pain will drive budget. So the more emotional pain that you have in a conversation, 
the more of a budget number the patient is willing to put towards that. Because you're really getting to think about it. And you may find out that it's not even bothering that much at all. So there is, if they don't have a lot of pain, there's not going to be a lot of budget. So you may disqualify the patient at that point for any further work other than some minor work that might help them. Making sense? Yeah. So, but ultimately what you're saying is you, you dig down to the emotion. People make the decision to buy emotionally yes. and they justify it later logically. Exactly right. Yep. You got it. You nailed it. So, you know, what kind of results do you typically see with, with someone who, if you train a train a business or a clinic or, or, or whatever, what type of results can someone expect to see from going through a process like this? And it's, it's not obviously done overnight. Yeah. So Stu, he was that first chiropractor that contacted me. He increased his PVA from six to something like 14 or 15. So he more than doubled it. Uh, in some cases he did get up to over 18, 19, 20, but he more than doubled it. Can you imagine that? So, uh, I mean, we're talking about a huge increase in his revenue, higher client satisfaction, less patients that needed to go in for surgery years later, things of that nature. Uh, But it really depends on trainability. So one of the things that I like to do before I start recommending different training programs, and we have all sorts, is run an assessment. And I charge a little bit of money for it. Uh, I I charge normally $5.95, but when when it's done in consideration of training, I charge $3.95. And we'll assess the individual on DISC, and we'll assess them on another uh, assessment called Harvard, which assesses them in 18 areas of case acceptance competency. And it will score them against a rolling database of 10,000 people on a zero to five scale in each of those 18 areas of competency. Then I have a one-hour interpretations meeting in which I go over the assessment results And then the next day, we have another one-hour meeting in which I go over my recommendations as to how we would work together and what the recommendations for training would be. So it's a very comprehensive way of approaching the problem, and we're uncovering some of the hidden areas where they have good growth potential. Make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And and obviously, you're based in the Massachusetts area, but I'm in Florida. I've worked with you. You can work all over the country. We're worldwide. We, we are worldwide. Um, 85% of our training is on Zoom. Yeah. So, so the reality is, if someone is coachable and teachable, and they yeah. want to increase, you know, case acceptance or additional yeah. services provided or additional yeah. add-ons to, for, to patient care, you know, working with you could absolutely help somebody grow their revenue. And, you know, you know, I would argue it's easier to get to generate more revenue from the same customer or same patient rather than it would be to go get a new patient. Yeah, always true because you have that thing called client acquisition cost. But I want to make it clear to the dentist that we would normally love to work with you if you have the need and you have the desire, but with many of your staff, because a lot of your staff are greeting people why can't they probe and ask some questions and at least, uh, you know, give you that information? And, uh, you know, in order to grow your organization, you got to build competency, client acceptance competency or case acceptance competency in your people as well. 
So I would just suggest you to grow exponentially, to grow quicker, take some of the burden off you so you can take more vacations or whatever. Grow your staff. If you have other dentists working with you, grow them. Grow some of the people that are greeting your patients, some of the people that are reaching out to your patients to schedule follow-ups and things of that nature. So, Greg, if someone was interested in working with you, how would they get in touch? So uh, you can call me, 617-338-0993. You can email me. Say that phone number again. Yeah, sure. Um, You can call me at 617-338-0993. And then you said your email? Yep. You can email me at greg at gnatraining.com. And then and we'll don't mind, I'll do a screen share and I'll just put it up on the screen here for well, everybody. We're going to put it all in the show notes. Oh, you are? Okay. We're going to put it all in the show notes for people to see because most people right. listen, they don't watch. So but we'll put it all in the show notes. You got your name okay. and your email, and then we'll put your Calendly link in the uh, to schedule oh, cool. a meeting yeah. in the show notes as well. And if anyone has interest, you know, they can have a conversation, figure it out, but uh, yeah. figure out if it's right for them. I just think, you know, increasing case acceptance and you know it is and getting more revenue per patient is a great way to grow yeah. revenue. Oh yeah. And you'll have more fun. You'll absolutely have more fun. And you'll bond with people and people will introduce you to others. You're going to get more referrals and more introductions because you're truly building strong relationships with people and you're taking better care of them. Not that you don't care to take better care of them right now. But you're learning skill sets to do a, a more complete job with them. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Greg, yeah. this has been really insightful today. I really appreciate your time on the call, on the show. Thanks again for having me. Always a pleasure to see you, Ross. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brandon. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brandon, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Ross Brannan is a registered representative of Coastal Equities, Inc. and Investment Advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. and securities are offered through Coastal Equities, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.